0: If we look into that for me the end-to-end visibility of our value chain so not just the supply chain the end-to-end value chain that next year will become absolutely critical and for that we need to make sure that we have the data and we have the technologies to rapidly address all the issues that come from a consumer a customer or a political and economical nature that is in a nutshell what i expect into 2024.
1: Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Sinto and I'm a marketer, blogger, and supply chain podcaster here at SAP. Today's episode is about a product or an industry that almost everyone knows. And I'm very excited to welcome Hugo Timmerman from Heineken today and to talk with him about the world of brewing and challenges it has faced in recent years and maybe will continue to face in the future. But first, welcome Hugo and thank you so much for joining us today in the show. Could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and give some insights into your role?
0: Yes, of course, and thank you, Sin. Just a few words here. I'm responsible for what we call digital and technology for the global supply chain within the Heineken company. And as hopefully you know, and many others, Heineken is the world's second largest beer company. We've existed for over 150 years, so we have a massive legacy. And we are very proud to be the most international brewer on the planet with more than 300 brands in 190 countries and with 85,000 employees. Or more than that, actually, we produce and we distribute more than 250 million hectoliters of beer, of which the Heineken brand is more than 20%. And if we look at our global ambition, one part of that is to be the best connected brewer. Means we connect to our consumers, we connect to our customers, but also within our supply chain and to our suppliers. And we are at the moment in the middle of a massive digital transformation where we are moving from quite a federated landscape where most operating companies have their own digital estate to what we call a global digital backbone, where we aim to align processes, data, and systems so that we have an end-to-end transparency and we can actually benefit a lot more from our global footprint and to deal with, I think, some of the supply chain challenges that we will be talking about later on in this podcast.
1: Thank you so much for the introduction. So, as you said, Heineken is... International well-known as one of the biggest breweries in the world and is also one of the largest brewery groups in the world, right? But however, the beer industry is or has been facing a number of challenges like other industries too due to the corona pandemic and the war in Ukraine, such as supply chain disruptions, price increases, rising inflation, and also a tight labor market. So these challenges have led to a dynamic development in the beer industry. And what's happening in the beer industry right now and how... Does a change in consumer behavior affect the industry and therefore also your supply chain?
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on. Nothing that happens to the consumer goods industry is strange to us in the beer industry. So we're absolutely in the middle. And so when you talk about the impact of the corona period, where actually in some countries we were not even allowed to sell beer during the lockdown, so you can imagine what kind of impact it has to our company. The Ukraine war and selling off our Russian business. The Suez Canal, shortage of containers, consumer pricing issues, especially in Europe, but also outside of Europe, we see a lot more volatility in the market. And in our case, we see that a lot in key markets like Vietnam and Nigeria. But yeah, the consumer behavior next to that is also changing. And that's not just based on pricing. We also see that younger people are not looking for a traditional beer. We've seen a massive shift towards craft beer in many markets. We also now see a big focus in what we call low and no alcohol drinks, which sometimes are beer and sometimes are not. So for us, that means that we're very actively looking at our product portfolio and we're looking at product innovation within beer, but also beyond. So we recently have acquired a company in South Africa that is very large insider, which is now a part of a broader portfolio. So we see that we're making moves both in and outside of the traditional beer industry. But all in all, if we add all of that together, what we see is volatility as the key word. Whether it is in the economy, whether it is in consumer behavior, whether it is geopolitical. And for our supply chain, that impact is massive in each and every step, whether it is in forecasting. How do you forecast on a moving base? How do you then deal with that? From a production perspective to make sure that you brew the correct beers to the consumer demand that might change by the time that you're brewing it to actually delivering it to our customers and and consumers after that. So the integration across all our opcos for us is becoming more and more critical and the end-to-end visibility in the supply chain is one of the key elements that we need to have to address those ongoing sets of changes.
1: As you just said, end-to-end visibility, and we talked about this in our preliminary discussion. So actually no one can deny anymore that it is so important for companies to have a holistic view in order to make informed decisions, optimize promises, mitigate risk, and also improve the overall supply chain performance. But how can companies actually achieve this holistic view and how can technology help
0: yeah, it's, it's a very good question. And I'm not going to say that I have a silver bullet for that or that we have within Heineken. The key word for me is data. We need to have more granular insights into consumer behavior and consumer patterns. We need to have more insight into the various channels and start to look at that in a more integrated perspective than we have done in the past. So it is really flowing through the data, through the entire value chain and then building a tool set that allows you to run scenarios and and analysis a lot faster and a lot more granular than what we've been able to do in the past. So I think we're at a very fascinating era in the technology space with the rise of machine learning and, and the buzzword AI that actually allows a lot more of that analysis at a far higher pace so that you can actually utilize it a lot faster and we're moving from a lot more responsive to a lot more proactive data analysis and planning of actions that for me is the big move that we are in the middle of that's also why the digital backbone initiative within Heineken is so critical for us because without that we would not have a standardized set of data that we can actually benefit from so it's the overarching belief in data that for me is the key element on, on end-to-end visibility in your supply chain. And I think that is not very different from many other companies in the consumer goods industry, but we yeah. have a long way to go before we're there.
1: Yes. Like most of the companies where they actually need to think where they start and also when they start. And because you have so many different locations around the world, actually also the question. In which location do you want to start? Or is it something where you say, first, we start in the headquarter and then roll it out to others? I know it from our previous discussions but this is something that I really want to touch again, because it's so fascinating how Heineken is doing this.
0: Yeah. So if we look into Heineken, we are very, very proud of what we call our opco-centric model. We've grown over the years through mergers and acquisitions, and we're very close to the customers in each and every country that we operate in. And we want to maintain that model. So we believe we should not be a strongly hierarchical top-down model. We believe in having actual operating companies. With that, what we're doing at the moment on the digital backbone is creating a far stronger network of operating companies where the head office is facilitating the interactions uh, within the network. So we are doing the entire world on our digital backbone initiative. We are starting at this moment in a few of our smaller OPCOS to test the end-to-end setup, and we will be growing over the next five years to cover the entire world. All our OPCOS will be then on that same backbone. And with that, the role of the head office, as I said, is own strategy, but it's also we're creating hubs that are covering activities for multiple OPCOS so that we are close enough to where the action happens but also benefit from the skill that we have. But we're not bringing that all to global hubs. We see a distributed set of call it center of excellence or center of expertise. Or sometimes it is a hub that does actual activities in Europe. We see for example, transport management hub that works perfectly in Europe, given the setup of the European union, but in Africa that might work differently because you have a complete different logistical challenge in that region. So we see changes in different parts of the world. We see changes in different opcos, but we will be offering a integrated tool set with a menu of options for an opco. Not every opco needs the same advanced platform. Sometimes it can be a simplified version. So we give an opco what they need, but we want to talk all the same language across Heineken so that we can benefit from our scale and allow the opcos to be as close to the consumer and the customer whilst we get benefits of our scale which you can also see for example in our procurement, that we see that coming back at the back end of it. So it's quite a balanced approach. We're not going for the one-size-fits-all solution that I've experienced in previous companies that I worked at. It's also not the easiest to achieve. It's a massive transformation that we do. I believe in that. It's a lot of effort, but the outcome of this is looking to be really good and something different than the standard solution might be.
1: So can someone actually say that you have changed or that you are adapting this kind of hybrid supply chain strategy or how would you describe this? I mean, as you described, the different locations work differently and you don't have one size fits all. So if you want to be agile, you need to implement this kind of agile process, right? But still you need to cover all the costs and reduce that cost. So is this the combination of lean and agile?
0: Yeah, well, of course, because it's always. A location and the lean agile continuum, certain parts of your supply chain must be as lean as possible. And of course, we're under a massive pressure in terms of product cost, in terms of energy utilization, et cetera. So lean is massively helping in those areas. But at the same end, you need to have agility into your process. And if you look at lean and agile, they are in essence part of the same methodology. And for us, that centers around TPM in our supply chain. On the digital side, of course, we apply agile principles in how we bring technologies into the opcos. We also apply lean methodologies when you talk about service provisioning processes. So these are in an absolute continuum and they allow us to be more specific into the various parts of our supply chain, what we need, because even your procurement cannot be 100% lean because you need to have a certain agility into the various materials that you will need. So that will always be dependent on the consumer and the customer uh, demand. Whilst we try to balance that with as lean as possible, a supply chain. I firmly believe that our supply chain should be what I call lights out and no touch, which means zero or minimize at least unplanned manual interventions. We have a big initiatives around our connected brewery, which brings digital and automation into the actual production sites with the ambition of stopping minor stops and reducing losses and reducing waste. So you want to achieve lights out, which actually means the light is all where you need to take an action. you do your planned actions. You want to see no touch. Why would you have people doing planning if the system can do it better? But the reverse also is there. You will still need people to coach the planning systems and adjust them because of that volatility. So you want to be lean where you can, so that you can focus on Agile where it needs to be.
1: We talk about Agile and lean and also cost reduction and being Agile as possible to adapt to new market trends, to scale, to meet also the customer expectation and also to meet the sustainability goals. On your website, you are writing that you are constantly improving your performance, data quality and reporting for more transparency, that you are applying the stakeholder capitalism metrics of the work. Economic Forum and the recommendations of the task force on climate related financial disclosures to support this goal. Can you explain a little bit about how you want to achieve this and how also data helps you to become more sustainable?
0: Yeah, it's a a very, very good question. And, And yes, sustainability is a massively important topic. And in 2022, we set out what we call our brew a better world strategy and A few components of that is that we plan to reach uh, net zero carbon in scope one and two by 2030, and actually net zero across the entire value chain by 2040. So it's a massive, massive uh, target on that. But you also see items like zero waste to landfill by 2030 for our production sites in there. And another element that, especially in our industry, has a lot of uh, attention is, of course, water usage, because beer, for the largest part, is water. And more so because many times we operate in water stressed area. I think about Mexico, think about parts of Italy, Spain, and we put a lot of targets to reduce water usage in all our sites and even more so than in water stressed area. So for us, sustainability is something that goes along quite a broad set of actions, whether it is specifically about net zero, but also how we operate further into our organization. The one thing again that collects all these targets is in the end is data. How do we collect that data from either source systems or many cases at the moment? It is still manual. And with the growing scope and importance, we just need to make sure that all of the data connection becomes automated. And again, that for me is a link back to why that digital backbone is so crucial for us because it allows us to tap into more source systems. As I Mentioned, our connected brewery allows us to connect directly into our machine lines and uh, with that collect data that we can then use for multiple purposes. In parallel with that, sustainability then becomes a growing part in your decision-making models, in your various systems. Think of planning systems. Does sustainability play a role in where you source uh, certain products from? Think of transport management as, your logistics, of course, is, is a massive contributor. How do you optimize roads? Where does electrification of, of your fleet start to contribute? And how do you then do your more dynamic routing so that actually the battery in the truck is full enough to reach its destination? Think of the management of packaging lines. How do we need to optimize performance for sustainability might be different than for speed. So in all of these areas within our breweries, sustainability will become a growing metric and we need all the right data for that to become more sustainable and you have similar conversations around financial disclosures around this and around that, all of it centers around, we need to ensure that we have our data and a lot more standardized way. Otherwise it will remain manual efforts and we can do that. It's just a lot of work to get it done.
1: Right. As you said, sustainability is so important now and to use different data to link everything together will help to reach your goals. So that leads me actually to the next question. Heineken uses the SAP S4HANA system and the SAP BTP for the core program. Would you like to tell us about the challenges you faced and how the use of SAP solutions helped you to improve?
0: If we look at our current landscape, I think we have top of mind 43 ERP systems across the globe at the moment. And, and name any flavor, we probably have it at the moment varying from SAP to Navision, to JD Edwards, and this is a critical part of that digital backbone is having a lean S for HANA at the core of everything that we do. So that becomes our single source of truth and around that we have a variety of business platforms, a hey, menu sometimes of, of options, sometimes there is one option. Hey, if I think about Warehouse management, you can do it very simple in doing inventory management, but you can also create more options around uh, more advanced warehouse management systems. And we see the same in some of our planning systems, sometimes foundational, sometimes more advanced. All of that goes in a standardized way back to our core and our business platforms, sometimes are SAP platforms, Warehouse management, as I mentioned, this is one of those key examples. And there's quite a few more sometimes, and those are platforms from other partners. And I think the... Beauty of it is having that S4 HANA at the core allows us to connect to different platforms, allows us to talk in a single way, and we have a structured enterprise data model around that that allows us more plug and play of platforms in future when we see the need to change. So it allows us the standardization that you want, but it also allows us the agility going forward to move up in capability or switch capabilities or add on different capabilities and different OPCOs based on the needs that we have. Because the one thing we know for sure is what we're going to put in place now in 2023, 2024 will not be exactly what our OPCOs need in 27, 28. The need will evolve and with S4ANA at the core and the business platforms around that, we believe we have a setup that we can adjust to our adjusting environments in a lot easier way. So it's very pragmatic what we do, hard to achieve, but in the long yeah. run, it will get us uh, a lot closer to our dream of becoming the most, or uh, the best connected brewery in the world.
1: That's great to hear. So as you're working in the supply chain and through industry, you might know that in the 1960s, the MIT developed the so-called beer distribution game as a management simulation. So participants have to take on the roles of a retailer or a wholesaler distribution center or a brewery. And the aim is to get crates crate of beer from brewery to the customer as cost-effectively as possible. And they have to deal with a lot of different problems like we've seen it also in the real world. As, said, as you're working in the brewery industry, how realistic is this simulation game? And are there some kind of parallelities where you say, okay, this is something that happens in the game and also in the real world that we can just like take the learnings from that simulation game.
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually quite shocking eh? So you go back more than 60 years and you see something that today's reality is uh, as relevant as it was then and going back to one of the earlier questions, the volatility in the supply chain has gone up so much that I think that the beer distribution game is now more realistic than ever because you want to find your bottlenecks faster. You want to find your problems faster so you can actually create more of that lean supply chain and that your throughput is ongoing whilst your customers and consumers change their minds and change their behaviors in a lot faster way. So I think every single element of the game is still relevant and even more relevant than it was maybe 10, 20 years ago. And this is, for me, is, is if you look into technology, that is helping us to address that. Current systems are a lot more advanced than they were in the past. They are able to forecast. This is where ML would also, at one moment, AI, I think it's too early for that, but that will start to play a role. Some of our planning systems, we will be implementing ML and AI models. So we're doing that as we speak to address a number of these challenges in your end-to-end value chain. So yeah, the game is relevant and with the current technology, I think we can address the same challenges and different challenges, but mainly a lot faster than we could in the 1960s when you would have a big mainframe that would, at one moment in time, churn out an outcome. I think you can now do millions of those outcomes a lot faster, which will lead to many, many scenarios that you can then pick from. So you can do a lot of that that parallel calculation. And then based on the end-to-end scenarios that are calculated, you can actually choose the best scenario at that moment in time from an end-to-end perspective, which is different what you would see in the 60s, because you always end up with a lot of manual effort, a little bit of sub-optimizing because it is so hard to connect the entire value chain. That for me is where technology makes the biggest uh, difference. It's the rapid calculation of multiple scenarios, pretty much in parallel. We're not really yet at quantum computing when that will be even more advanced, but yeah, let's wait for another decade for that to become mm-hmm. mainstream. I would be very happy to see what today's technologies can bring us already.
1: Yeah, that's great. Do you also see that? using technology, AI or Gen AI will not just help us, but maybe also, well, let's say reduce some kind of work or make some work obsolete in the
0: supply chain area. Without a doubt, it will have a massive impact. And I think we don't know yet what the exact impact will be. Jobs like mine, the amount of time I spent on answering emails or creating PowerPoint slides, you know, this is where Copilot can already help on that does that make my job better? I hope so. Does it mean my job is no longer required? I hope not. But yeah, you can see these impacts will be there. Of course, it will impact certain jobs that might no longer be needed. It will also create other jobs. It will also create jobs that we can say are more meaningful, are are challenging, or more focusing on topics that are harder to achieve through technology. But it is a game changer that I think we all don't know yet. And that for me is also the flip side of AI and same as on, on, on generative AI is the ethics around that. Because if you don't watch out, you will have one AI answering my email, sending uh, that to my boss, whose AI will answer his email. You have two AIs talking to each other and the conversation goes out of control. Yeah. Well, that's where we're in the same company. But what if we deal with our customers? What if we deal with our suppliers? So where do we draw the line and how do we make sure that we have a certain level of control or maybe vetting of your AIs? So that big debate, of course, on that. So I expect AI and, and everything with it, like it has done in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, the impact of technology has been massive. We've always felt threatened by, oh, now I'm no longer required. But look at that. We have a massive shortage in the marketplace of labor. So we are short of people. So, so far, technology has never led to a situation that technology has taken over. I don't think that with AI, that suddenly will change, but it will be a big challenge on how we're going to incorporate it into the broader marketplace. And how do we make sure that we benefit from a global skill that not just AI is highly relevant in parts of Europe or parts of, of North America, whilst in other parts of the world Uh, That doesn't apply because that is the situation that I think would not be good for the planet.
1: Exactly. Hugo, well, believe it or not, we are already coming to the end of the podcast and the title is the future supply chain. Could you summarize in one or two sentences what the future supply chain might look like and what we can expect in this new year?
0: If I would be able to predict the future, I think I would buy a lottery ticket and go to a sunny beach somewhere. But let me give it an effort. I think... Next year and also beyond, I think we will see a continuation and maybe an acceleration of what we've seen so far. So volatility will remain high in different parts of the world, be it based on issues like we see in Ukraine and Israel, but also potential impact of elections in the United States, for example, whatever the outcome is that might impact a big part of economies and political stability. At the same end, consumers will continuously want more and more innovations. Sustainability will continuously become more important and AI will continuously become more of an opportunity and more of a potential threat as we just discussed. So yeah, if we look into that, for me, the end to end visibility of our value chain, so not just the supply chain, the end to end value chain, that next year will become absolutely critical. And for that, we need to make sure that we have the data and we have the technologies to rapidly address all the issues that come from a consumer, a customer, or a political and economical nature. That is in a nutshell, what I expect into 2024. And from a Heineken perspective, I think we are taking massive steps towards that. Still have a long road to go. And with a lot of our great partners, I think we're in a pretty good state, but uh, yeah, it's always going to be a big question mark on what exactly is going to happen in the future.
1: Yes. Like looking to the crystal ball, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But at least you have the feeling for it that you think, okay, this is something that could happen or that will be, you can actually push something into certain directions, right?
0: Yeah, you can, uh, but you can only prepare for the unknown. So mm-hmm. that is why I believe you need to start to think in, hey, what could impacts be so that you're ready for it whilst you don't know? Take the consumer as an example. We don't know the exact development of consumer demand, something completely disruptive might happen into our industry. Mm-hmm. How are we then going to make sure that we rapidly are ready for that unknown disruption? I think that is the key element that for at Heineken, but I think also for many other companies is the key into next year and the years after is getting ready for that unknown so that you're able to counter it a lot better.
1: Yes. Well, Hugo, thank you so much again for joining me. It was super great to talk to you and to get more insights into all the Heineken and also digital transformation background that you are doing right now. And thank you all for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about the future episodes. Until next time, from Hugo and I, thank you for discussing the future of chain.